Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 66 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. In this episode, I'm going to take a peek at the results of the NAB AFL draft that was last week, as well as looking at some of the AFL's rule changes. Are they changes for the sake of change, or are they going to make a difference? And we're going to look at the uh, AFLW fixture and the new ticketing policy that they put in place. Is it going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the AFLW? But before we dive into the episode, ladies and gentlemen, holiday season is upon us. If you're still looking at getting yourself a gift for Christmas, check out my uh, podcast storefront on Redbubble. I've got a link to it in the notes. The storefront's been up now for about three weeks, and I've had a little bit of traffic there, some people taking a look at it, but... As of right now, I'm the only person that's made a purchase. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? Um, but uh, you know, if you want to support the podcast and uh, you know, maybe get a sticker for the back of your laptop or for your window of your car or a T-shirt or something of that nature, the, the items are there. I uh, went through and looked at uh, some of the things that were that were on there. I actually reduced the markup cost on them by several several percentage points uh, over the weekend here to uh, hopefully make the prices a little bit more attractive, that sort of thing. Again, I'm not trying to make a fortune on this. I'm not trying to retire from my job doing this, but looking at upgrading some equipment and that sort of thing and paying some of my podcast hosting fees with anything that comes in from this. So if you're at all interested, go ahead and uh, take a peek. I'd truly appreciate it. Now, before I really get into the episode, I wanted to take a... Uh, a moment to thank the dozen or so guests that I have had on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for coming on. I, I'm glad that many of you reached out to me and said, hey, would love to be on your show to talk about the uh, the club that I love and how the trade period went and where I saw the draft going and that type of thing. It was wonderful to be able to to discuss the different aspects of, of each of these clubs. And again, I didn't get to talk to somebody that was a supporter of every club, tried to work around uh, some people's schedules. It didn't quite work out. I do like the idea of talking to everyday folks, though, because they're, they're fans, just like I'm a fan or a supporter, I should say. And it's been a, uh, it's been a great experience to, to get that insight from people. And I, and I'm hoping to do more of that. So, there are spots in the show notes where, you know, if you uh, want to get onto the email list or you want to get in contact with me about coming on as a guest, I'd love to hear from you. It would be fantastic. So, again, I want to thank each and every one of you that took time out of your days to come on and talk with me. It truly was wonderful. I truly, truly appreciate it, and I can't thank you enough. And if you haven't listened to all of them and you want to hear how supporters of maybe your rival club feels how they did i urge you and uh, encourage you to check it out okay now as we get into the uh looking at the draft i'm not going to go through every round or every pick because quite frankly i don't know who pretty much any of these players happen to be i've seen some names discussed i've seen some write-ups some short little interview clips and that type of thing but I don't know who they are, and I'm not going to pretend that I know who they are. Okay, these are these are young men who, in some cases, had an opportunity to play a season last year, but in other cases, if they were 
Victorian players, they really did not get much of a chance to play the game last year. And the, the clubs are working on year-old data in terms of how these players are going to be able to perform with the club that has drafted them. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about a couple things as far as the draft, though. Um, and it, and it kind of made me feel pretty good, I guess, when I was seeing on social media how so many Australian supporters who have been following the game a heck of a lot longer than I have still seem to be rather confused about how the Bulldogs were able to move all the way up to the top pick of the draft to uh, to pick up Jamar Uglehagen's pick and giving up all of their other draft picks in order to be able to make that selection. It, it the, the whole idea of having the academies and that sort of thing, it is a unique concept. And, you know, here in sports in the United States, we really don't have anything like that. I remember that uh, years ago there was a a football league, which was, I believe, the USFL. So not the USAFL, but the USFL, that if I'm not mistaken, they had set aside regions of the country. So if a team was in, let's just say, Sandusky, Ohio, where I am, that which there wouldn't have been a team here because we're nowhere near a big enough city for that sort of thing to happen. But let's say for the sake of argument that there was a, a team here that 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 team would have like a regional option to be able to and it sounds like this sort of thing has gone on in the uh, the AFL in the past as well but they would have had a, like a regional option or the ability to have first opportunity to sign players from schools that were within say a 100 mile radius or a 200 mile radius of that city so if it was a 200-mile radius where I am, they would be able to bring in players from possibly from the University of Michigan or Ohio State University or Bowling Green State University where I went to college or the University of Toledo or the University of Akron, possibly the University of Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is less than 200 miles away, roughly that. Uh, it might actually be a little bit more, so that, that may be too far out because maybe there would have been a team in Pittsburgh, possibly. Now, that league didn't last more than a few seasons, but it's an interesting concept. But again, in that regard, if the if the game of football isn't encouraged or played at a high level in that in that area, then you're kind of hamstrung in terms of bringing in players in that instance. You know, if you happen to have had a team that was in Alabama or the University of Alabama has a great football program or Clemson University in the state of South Carolina or Ohio State here in Ohio or the University of Notre Dame in Indiana or Southern California out in Los Angeles. I mean, there, there are a lot of really good football teams in college football, but then there are also a lot of them that are not very good. And, and in many cases, a lot of them tend to be in, a lot, in similar areas. The northeastern part of the United States, while there are some really, really good, maybe small school football teams, overall they tend to, to struggle in terms of having really strong teams. Uh, the University of Maryland, Rutgers University, 
Boston College from time to time is a pretty good team. But there are not a whole lot of big schools in that area. So if there was a USFL team in, say, Boston or in uh, you know that sort of an area, they might have a hard time bringing in some of that local talent, if you will. So the whole thing with the... Uh, with the pick being able to go to Western was a little bit confusing. And I, and I've done a lot of reading on it and I understand the idea of the, the points being assigned to the draft picks. They do the same thing in the NFL here where each pick has a point value. Now in many instances, and this is where I find this unique and it's not that a, uh, you know, a team is going to go and get a player from its Academy, but they may have a player that they want to get they may have to pay a premium to do that. Uh, for example, the Houston Texans in the NFL, they traded for a, an offensive lineman, a young man by the name of Laramie Tunsil, and he was playing for the Miami Dolphins at the time. And if I'm not mistaken, they traded the Dolphins a first and second round pick in last year's draft and a first and second round pick in next year's draft as well to acquire this player. They, they paid a huge price to bring him onto their team. And what that means then is that they no longer have picks at the top end of the draft where they need to bring in young talent to help build up the rest of their team. They've got a great player in Tunsil, but it costs them significantly. So the, the, the pick with Hagen, I understand the concept of it, and it but from what I've gathered, it sounds like this was the last year that something like this was going to be able to happen, and I've not been able to find documentation of that. But it sounds as though this was kind of like a one-year opportunity for the Bulldogs to be able to move up and get him. And had it been 2021 when he was coming out, he would probably, and let's just say the, the, the latter was the same. I'm not, I'm not condemning the Crows to be wooden spoons next year, but let's say that for the sake of argument, the latter is duplicated in 2021. But if this was, if this draft was the 2021 draft, it sounds like he would be on his way to Adelaide right now, rather than playing for the Bulldogs and moving into Marcus Bontempelli's house from what I've read. So I feel a little better knowing that this is confusing for some other people as well. And, and I'm sort of kidding about that because it is kind of a convoluted and crazy system, but, so far, it seems to have worked, and, you know, the the one drawback that I see is that, unless I've missed this, it doesn't appear as though the Crows got any compensation for this. Basically, the rest of the competition got compensation because... The Bulldogs divested themselves from all of these picks that they had to give up the, with the points associated with them to move up to get JUH at the number one pick. But in that regard, it really didn't it didn't really benefit the Crows at all because I don't think the Crows got any kind of an additional pick added to the draft for having to slide down a spot. So in a way, they got penalized for getting moved out of that position. Okay, so it it. I understand the concept of it. I understand, you know, if you've got an academy of kid who's gone through all of your training and that sort of thing, or the father-son rule. The father-son thing is interesting, but 
you know, it's going to be a generation yet before that really is applicable for GWS or Gold Coast, uh, where you've got players who have you know played a hundred, I think it's a hundred games, uh, in order to be eligible for that. Because I know uh, young Mister Rioli was just picked up by the uh, the Tigers in this draft as well. So I feel a little better now that I I've learned about this and I've figured out how it's working, but. You know, it, in many ways, to me, it seems like the, that the Crows kind of got the long end of a short stick with regards to this because they they missed out on this top of the line player, and and maybe the you know the the young man that the tall player that they brought in from right there in town would have been the player they would have taken anyway. But I know they they compelled the Bulldogs to match the picks by you know targeting him, but it's it still is a little convoluted. And I think I've said that before, but it sure makes it interesting. It surely does make it interesting. And, and, and I know people were talking about on social media, how long the draft took to get accomplished. Well, I I find that interesting because, you know, watching the, the NFL draft. Now the NBA draft, while the picks take a long time to happen, they only have two rounds anymore. They're only picking two rounds of players. So basically there's, I think, 60 picks getting made in the NFL, or I'm sorry, the NBA draft. But in the NFL draft, you've got 32 teams, seven rounds. That's what, 210, 224 picks right there, if my math is correct. And then there are also what are called compensatory picks, where if you know, a player leaves your team and signs as a free agent with somebody else, similar to the AFL, uh, depending on the dollar value of their contract, they could get a compensatory pick from anywhere between the third and seventh round. And they usually give out a maximum of 32 of those in the year. So basically it adds an extra round to the draft. So there's really eight rounds, although there's officially seven rounds because they'll add picks at the end of the third round, into the fourth, end of the fifth, sixth, and seventh as well. So it is a unique way to do things. You know, the, the father-son aspect of things. That would be interesting to see if the, the NFL could do something like that or Major League Baseball could do something like that. Um, I know that Cleveland sports fans are maybe hoping that the NBA would do that because LeBron James's son is, a, I believe, a high school student right now and is, uh, you know, going to probably go play a year's worth of college somewhere and then become a professional basketball player himself. And I'm sure Cleveland sports fans would love to see him wearing a Cavaliers uniform. I have no idea if that's ever going to happen, though. But it just was really interesting watching the whole prospect of, of how this, this draft worked out. And again, you know, the uh, the league, I think, did as good a job as they could do this year with the situation that they had. The NFL had to do the same kind of thing with the COVID restrictions where people were, you know, at home uh, and the draft was taking place there. And if I'm not mistaken, the guy that runs the NFL uh, was sitting at home in his basement in uh, in New York City, in his den, in his basement. So it made for an interesting, made for an interesting uh, situation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the structure of the draft in the AFL, so... Feel free to shoot me a uh, note on Twitter at yank underscore on. Shoot me an email 
Yank on the footy gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook as well. But it just it's a unique situation. Oh, but back to the NFL draft when people were saying that the AFL draft was taking a long time. The NFL has intentionally turned their draft into a spectacle. Now, years ago, before ESPN was was about, it was something that took place behind closed doors and you didn't know who your team picked until you read about it in the newspaper the next day or maybe your local radio station would get the information or your TV station would, would carry it on the local news. But today, the NFL does the first round of the draft on a Friday. I think on a Friday. Might be, it might, or might be a Thursday. I think it might be Friday night, but they do the first round. And each team has usually 10 minutes to make their pick. So they're talking to other teams about possibly making trades, things of that nature. But then the second and third rounds are on the second night. And then rounds four, five, six, and seven happen on the last day. And at that point in time, each team only has five minutes to make their pick. And by then, they've kind of got a bit of an idea of who they want to pick and uh, on their draft boards, if you will. So it's, it's different, but it's not a whole lot different. Now, I, I watched you know, some highlights of the draft, and I actually I woke up uh, and saw a couple picks that were made. Uh, in the middle of the night here because the draft started around 3 o'clock in the morning here. But when I got to school, I, I turned the draft on in my classroom and had it on and was catching up on some of the picks. And again, like I said, I don't know who these players are. But uh, I feel bad for all of the social media grief that uh, Taylor Brunn has, I think it's Brunn, I believe is how it's pronounced, that it was pick number 12 from the Giants. And if you've not seen the footage of it, you know, I, I, I feel terrible for this young man because his his look after he was drafted, because many of the players, many people who get you know drafted in these positions, whether it be the NBA, the NFL, that type of thing, the AFL, they're, they, they tend to look ecstatic, excited, enthralled, thrilled. And, and this young man looked rather stoic. And... A lot of people chalked it up to the idea that, oh, he's having to go play in Sydney now. Maybe that was part of it, but I don't think so. I, I, I think that if you if you look at at this, these are young men who have worked for 18, 19 years to hopefully achieve this goal. And to me, it was almost a cathartic moment where it was like, I'm a professional footy player. You know, it it hadn't sunk in. You know, most of us, the overwhelming majority of us, when we go and get a a job somewhere, we've gone and applied for a job, we know who we're applying to the job for. We know the, the employer. We've gone there. We've filled out the application. We've gone on their website. We've, we've researched it. We've, we've gone on, to, gone on to the office and spoken with them or interviewed or into the factory or whatever the case may be. We know who it is that we're going to be working for. These young men, well, they may have a bit of an idea of who they're going to be working for. They know that they're going to likely be playing in this competition somewhere. 
they don't know specifically where they're going to be going. So maybe there is a little bit of a shock, but I think there's also that that inner reflection that he's thinking to himself, I achieved it. I have made it. I'm a professional footy player. And he's had to go on social media and do interviews and such to kind of justify his reaction or his non-reaction. And I, I think it's a darn shame for him, you know, that this has happened to him. Because I, I don't know if any of us, if we were ever in that position, would have done things differently. Sure, we might have gotten excited, jumped up and down, jumped up and down. Our buddies might have been slapping us on the back and rubbing our head and that sort of thing. Because, hey, look, you made it. But doggone it, he, he, he's an 18-year-old kid. I have 18-year-old kids in my classroom who are you know, looking at heading off to college here next year. And they're going to, you know, they'll go to college, they'll come home on weekends, that type of thing. Or they'll come home at Christmas break. But, you know, this young man has just found out he's moving from, you know, Geelong, because he was with the Geelong Falcons, if I'm not mistaken. And, and maybe he was picking up on the irony that he got selected by GWS with one of the picks that Geelong traded to GWS. Maybe that was it. But he's realizing that he's going to be moving several hours several hour flight if I'm not mistaken away from his hometown to go play this game now I'm sure he's excited I'm sure he's settled in it wasn't the the Archie Perkins moment where he was like I only want to play for a Victorian team and and I have a feeling that he had been drafted by Frio or Gold Coast or West Coast or the Swans or whomever he'd be over the moon with excitement to be playing now, again, maybe he'd only be there for the two years. But you're achieving a dream here, playing this game. Something that many of their friends and uh, fellow competitors on the grounds growing up would trade positions with them in a, in a heartbeat to do that. So it's, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the young man. I don't see anything wrong with what he did. Yeah, from what I've read in the the rebuttal comments, if you will, is that he, he basically says that he's he tends to be a rather quiet, more of an introverted type person. So you're not automatically going to become, you know, an extrovert and that sort of thing. It's not, you know, he's not, you know, I, I don't believe that when Xavier Dersma was drafted by the uh, the power that he pulled out his fake arrow from his from his uh, quiver and fired off a, a fake arrow shot. I don't, I've never seen the footage of it, but I don't think that's what he did. He was probably excited or maybe he was stoic, but the folks that have come down on this young man about this, I think they need to cut him, cut him a break and give him, you know, give him some slack here. You know, he, an 18 year old kid moving away from home for a full-time job is not an easy thing to do that in, in any situation. But now he's doing he's gonna be doing this in this situation and the eyes of the entire country theoretically are gonna be upon him playing this game because people are gonna be watching GWS play. Now again, is he gonna play in their best twenty two this year? I have no idea. I have no idea. But if you're drafted pick twelve, they're probably expecting you to be contributing here fairly quickly. Okay. Now 
couple of other things I wanted to dive into today. You know, uh, the AFLW, they released their uh, fixture, and they're playing nine rounds this year. No conferences, though. So they're going to have just the uh, the full ladder, which I think is a great move. And the games are going to be starting, I believe, at the end of January, which we're about six weeks from footy starting up again. So I'm thrilled about that. That's terrific that we're going to have the games back again. And I know there are some of you who are still purists that don't get excited about the AFLW. I enjoy watching it. I think it's fantastic. And I know I've said this on a previous episode back in probably January or February of of this year. This is a game that the young girls of Australia need. Sure, they can look up to footy players. They can look up to Marcus Bonapelli, to Patty Dangerfield, to Dusty Martin. But isn't it better for them to be able to look up to players in the AFLW, to identify with them, to have somebody to emulate? They're like me. I can achieve this. And again, we're we're still kind of on the ground floor of this game growing. And I think, you know, we, we you project this out another decade. I think that the, the skill set is going to be so much higher because you're going to have had a generation of, of girls playing the game who are then going to go on to try to play the game professionally. And maybe by then, maybe the AFLW even expands the, the length of the, uh, the season. I mean, right now they're playing nine games plus the, the finals. Maybe they get up to a 12, 15, 18, 20-game season. Why not? Why not have that? It would expand opportunities for you know. Again, maybe it rolls into the the AFL season. Maybe there's some some carry over there. But it would give give people yet another opportunity to watch footy, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Now I, I'm wondering though, you know, they they did announce that uh, while kids are still going to get in free, they're going to need a ticket due to contact tracing. I read that and I linked to that article in the show notes. But they're going to they're going to be charging adults ten dollars admission. Now I know that ultimately the AFL wants to see the women's comp become maybe not self sufficient. Well, I'm sure they would love it to be self sufficient, but you know for the first few seasons there's not been any admission that's been paid. Yes, they've had concessions, things of that nature, but they've not generated revenue through admissions. So I think this is a step in the right direction. But I have to ask the question, and I, and I don't know the answer to this question, but I'll, I'll put it out there for you. Is $10 too high of a price to be charging this initial season? Is this something that should have been, you know, I don't know, should it have been $5 to start out with or maybe seven fifty or something of that nature? I don't know. You know, $10, you know, is kind of a, you know, it's kind of a standard Yep, that's ten bucks. That's ten dollars right there. That's what we're going to charge. Yeah, I wonder if is is that going to turn people away? I hope not. I mean, I hope that families are still getting there to let their their kids watch the competition. 
but I wonder if they're if they're pricing themselves out of the marketplace here. I don't I don't think it necessarily is. I I posted online. I said, yeah, I'd I'd pay ten bucks to, to go watch all of the games. The problem is the thousands of dollars for an airline ticket to get there, and then figuring out how to sneak past the immigration people who aren't going to let me in because I'm from the U.S. right now. Um, I mean, I plan on being from the U.S. in the future, but you get what I mean there. So I wonder what you think about the. Uh, the ticket pricing with the uh, AFLW. I'd love to hear from you on that. Now, the AFL has, uh, they haven't released their schedule yet. Supposedly the first six rounds will be released by the end of December. So we're back to that floating schedule. Um, I want to say the first six weeks, the first six weeks in terms of where they're playing, when they're playing is going to be set at that point in time. Supposedly they're going to have the rest of the fixture done but they're not going to have the times and which television network is going to be carrying the games at that point in time. So they're wanting to to be able to adjust the schedules based upon maybe how well teams are do, doing during the course of the season. Uh, so if you got a, you know you've got number sixteen and seventeen on the ladder playing one another, you're probably not, not going to put them in a Friday night game where the the eyes of the of the country and the world, since we're watching from here in the U.S., are going to be focused on it, okay? The NFL has started doing this with some of the games later on in the season where they they, they, they do flex scheduling as well. Uh, for example, just this week they, they changed the schedule um, for the Sunday night games because you know, most of the games are played at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 4.15 in the afternoon on Sunday. And then there's been the Monday night games that have been around since 1970. About 15 years ago, they decided to have a Sunday night game as well. More eyes on the game. There's Thursday night games that are played as well. But this week, they announced that the game that's happening next weekend on Sunday night, I think it's next weekend, uh, that was supposed to be the, uh, I believe the Cowboys and the 49ers were playing. Two iconic teams that normally have been very good teams. The 49ers have been, you know, very good recently. The Cowboys, you know, they're, they're both struggling this year. So they moved the Cleveland Browns and New York Giants game to the Sunday night game. So the Browns are going to be playing back-to-back night games, which I can't tell you the last time that's happened because my Browns have been awful for so darn long. They're 9-3 and three this year. Here we go, Brownies. Here we go. That's enough American football. Now, I wanted to look at a couple of the new rules that have that have come about. So, uh, you know, they did mention that, that Footy Frenzy is going to be back, that they're going to have some of the compressed rounds as well. So maybe they're going to try to get the season done more quickly. You know, since Australia is pretty much COVID-free, um, I wonder how travel is going to be within the country and how convenient it's going to be. If you, if you plan on following your club, you know, if you're a Victorian fan and you plan on following your club to, to Adelaide, to Perth, to Sydney, up to Queensland to watch, watch games, isn't that really going to cut in on your ability to schedule flights and travel and that sort of thing? If you don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks in advance in order to be able to schedule flights, to get hotel rooms, that sort of thing, to get tickets for the games. You know, I, I think that the idea is is good, 
but I'm not sure if they should be flexing or doing, you know, being able to change around the entire schedule. Okay, that that worries me a little bit. Uh, but again, I'm not the person making the decision at all. Um, nor should I be. Now, I, I, I do want to recommend a, a YouTube episode, and I put a link to it in the show notes. And I, I talked to these guys a few months back, the, the, the two gentlemen that run the, uh, the Footy A to Z YouTube channel. They did a great video on the new rules in uh, the AFL for this year, um, you know, with the man on the mark and allowing the ball to be kicked into play from 15 meters away from the, the end line or from the goal line after a, a behind uh, to reducing the number of interchanges from 90 to 75. Now, I, I hadn't really paid attention to that a whole heck of a lot because I, I didn't realize that there was a set number until just recently. I just thought play, the teams brought players on and off as needed. I didn't realize they tracked those because I don't recall ever seeing that number indicated on the little uh, score box during the course of the games. I think they're probably going to have to track that a little bit more closely and let the people watching on television know that since the number has been reduced so much. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, they're talking about going from 90 to 75. And the, the idea is the whole concept sounds like they're trying to say, we want to induce more player fatigue. We want people to have to run farther, run harder, run faster and run longer for the purpose of opening up scoring. Okay. One of the other things that they're, that they're looking at doing all, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but I, I, I got an article here from the age and I linked to it in the show notes as well. And they, they had a great looking chart. Uh, so again, this is from the age.com.au uh, that looked at the average interchanges per contest. And they had it going back to, I believe 2006 and in 2006, the average number of interchanges per game per team was 46 and a half. So if you were on the grounds, you were staying out there for a long while. Okay. By 2013, it was over 133 interchanges per club per game. The 2016 season, four years later, three years later, it was down to 95. Now, last year with the 16-minute quarters, it was down to 85. Now they're dropping it down to 75 Well, moving the length of the quarters back up to eight minutes. Excuse me, back up to 20 minutes. So they're adding eight minutes per half back in. So basically they're, they're adding a fifth quarter, if you will, of the length that they played in 2020. So they're adding another 16 minutes back onto the, uh, the contest. You know, so this is going to lead to more fatigue, most certainly. You may want to, you know, have as many, you know, great athletes out there. And one of the articles that I've linked to as well lists a number of players that they think that this could be beneficial to. Um, and, you know, they mentioned Mark Blitzavs from the, the Cats and a couple of other people as well. But then they mentioned people who that this might work against, the, li the limited number of interchanges. And these players that, that tend to go with these heavy, hard bursts, full-out energy, I'm going to use a technical term here, balls to the wall, if you will, 
for portions of the game, then come over to the uh, interchange and have a seat and rest. And they mentioned players like Dusty Martin, Nat Fife, Patty Dangerfield, Nick Nat Nui. If you think about how the Eagles managed him last year, worked out very well with his numerous leg injuries. That's probably going to have to change this year. Either they're going to still be able to manipulate his minutes and move him out on office as much as they want to, but that's going to be in in uh, conjunction with then having to leave other players on the grounds for longer periods of time. Now, the one thing I I, I don't I don't and I don't know the answer to this. So, if a player is injured, let's say it's a blood rule. Or, you know, somebody gets a cut or somebody gets, you know, it takes an elbow to the eye that's going to, you know, require some, uh, you know, dealing with to try to get the swelling down to allow them to come back in. Or they have a bloody nose or whatever the case may be, a dislocated finger. If they come on the off the ground injured, does that exchange count as one of the interchanges? Or is it, or is it? There's a, is there a separate category for an injury one? I don't know the answer to that question. I would think it would probably count. But it's really interesting to see them doing this because, one, they're increasing the length of the games, which a lot of people are excited about that going back to the full 20-minute quarters. Some people think that the interchanges should be lowered. But then in conjunction with that, they've also reduced list size. So are we going to see more players dealing with soft tissue injuries, more pulled muscles, more, you know, fatigue-related injuries, that sort of thing as a result of this? I don't know. The whole idea is they want to open up scoring, okay? They want games to have higher scores. It's going to mean more people watching because, you know, offense brings in people to watch the games. It's great to watch, you know, watch a great defensive team, but it's very similar to the NFL. The NFL has done things to marginalize the impact of the defense for years to lessen what the defense can do to combat the role of the the offensive players you know not being able to you know to tackle the quarterback or oh we you know we tackle the quarterback and we hit him below his knee well that's a pe- you know grabbed his ankles that's a penalty if you tackle if you tackle him by his ankles um Touching a, a receiver after he's gone five yards down the field, you're not allowed to touch them anymore. You're not allowed to redirect them and try to you know knock them off of their route that they're running, that type of thing. All this has been done, or it's a penalty, all this has been done to try to increase offensive output. And I think that's exactly what the AFL is trying to do. Uh, they One of the other things, no substituting you know the man on the mark. So if you're the defender and your player's taking a mark, you're the one that's on the mark with them, and you're not allowed to move. You're not allowed to move. They're going to be awarding 50-meter penalties for that, which I think we can all agree that we've seen way too many 50-meter penalties, even if your club has been the beneficiary of them. There's a lot of arbitrary stuff that's being adjudicated out there, and it, it's a little worrisome. Yeah, I, I I guess from you know the trying to – open the game up and then from what I had read the idea here is to not bring somebody from behind the person that's taken the mark to allow them to be on the mark which allows then another player to move back into defense so again 
It's hoping to set up more mismatches, allow the, the, the game to be much more wide open, faster, hopefully leading to more points being scored. And I think all of us that are, that are you know, playing uh, super coach and that sort of thing probably won't mind that very much. Okay, but it's, like I said, it is all about increasing the scoring. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new rules that have been put in place and see what you think about that. I, I wonder about the interchanges, though, just with the reduced number of players. And again, your your players that are at you know, number 35 to 38 now, I think is the list size, or maybe 40, whatever it may be, they're probably not going to be getting a game with your best 22. Probably not. But, you know, it also limits a lot of other things in terms of how many players you have on the grounds during your, your practice times and, and that sort of thing. And practice is probably going to have to be different. Are they going to focus more on the actual skills of the game or is it going to be more endurance? Is it going to be more about building up your lung capacity and, you know, keeping your heart rate down and turning you into, you know, more of a, uh, a great athlete rather than a great footy player. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Uh, but it, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And footy's going to be back here very soon anyway. So before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to take uh, just a couple of moments to thank all of you. As you know, the first anniversary of the podcast is coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And I know I've said this before, but I want to repeat it. I cannot thank all of you enough for tuning in, for listening, for giving me feedback, for telling me where I'm flat out wrong, or telling me, hey, you got some pretty good insight on that. I really appreciate that. As I'd mentioned, my goal was to hit 10,000 downloads before the uh, anniversary date, which is the 29th. And as of this recording, I am approximately 100 downloads away, so... Maybe this is the episode that gets me to 10,000. Possibly. But again, I cannot thank all of you enough for listening, for tuning in. It has been fun to sit down and uh, create the episodes when I do, come up with ideas, that sort of thing. I actually had a unique experience uh, this week at school. The English teacher across the hall from me has her seniors who are working on creating their own podcasts. So she invited me to come over and talk with her students. Now, 95% of these kids I had in my class last year when they were 11th graders. So I know most of them very well. And it was a whole lot of fun to actually talk to them about this whole format of podcasting, this whole idea of podcasting and how I have fallen in love with doing this and how I interact with people all over the world. I'm at the point right now where I've had people from, I believe, 33 or 34 different countries that have listened to the podcast. I just, I find that staggering. It's it's mind-boggling that, that, that people on the other side of the planet, outside of Australia, have checked out the podcast. It's it's amazing to me. And, and I, I cannot thank all of you enough who are listening. So I truly appreciate it. I want to give a big shout out to all of you. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Darren Green and to uh, Wayne Kraska for letting me sit on the conversation. 
the other night as well. That was a lot of fun. It was great to meet those gentlemen. I've traded messages with them online over the last year, but I really had not spoken with them online before. But it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. That's uh, all that I can or will say about that, but it was just a great conversation. So I'm looking forward to bringing you new episodes. I have a couple of interviews that are in the works. Just waiting to hear back on the the go times for the people I'm going to sit down with. I think some pretty interesting conversations that are going to be happening. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so that you get each new episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short form in the show notes. If you'd like to sign up, I'd love to add you to the list. I've got about 30 people that are on there right now. There's a, uh, like I said, there's four questions, just, you know, asking your name, your email address, who you support, that sort of thing. Uh, don't forget to take a look at the storefront if you're wanting to pick up some swag for the show as well. Also, if you have an idea for a show topic, or you'd think you'd be a great guest on the show, which you probably would be, don't hesitate to shoot me a DM on Twitter. Send me an email at yankonthe 40 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can find all the episodes for this podcast at a yank on the footy at gmail, excuse me, at a yank on the footy.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider as well. And every episode is located on my YouTube channel as well. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. Now, after you've listened, I would love it if you would give me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's, like I said, let's Apple Podcasts know what you think of the show as well might give me a little bit more exposure on their platform. I know there's a lot of other footy podcasts out there that I'm, uh, I don't want to say competing out there with, but I'm in the marketplace with, if you will. There's a lot of great ones out there. There's a lot that I listen to. Uh, But I also hope that you will hit the share button and send a link to your favorite episode. Maybe it's this one. I'd love for you to share this episode, but... You know, send a link to your favorite episode to your, your footy friends that, uh, that love the game, maybe love a certain club. You know, I've done a lot of interviews with people over the last uh, year, and maybe I've got an interview there that they would love to hear as well. So it'd be great if you'd share a link on your social media. would truly appreciate that. And again, don't forget, to, you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me at yank underscore on on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for his two great pieces of music. He's created some fantastic music. I'm using Elevation and Backplate. You can find his work at josephmcdade.com music. He's also on Spotify. Again, Mr. McDade, thanks so very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening because while we're fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. Again, thanks so very much, and I ask that you Share a link to the podcast with your friends and family. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been 
episode number 66 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening, and please share a link with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.